welcome to the latest Fifth Step podcast. Today, we'll be looking at the need for strategic change management. It's that time of year when thoughts are returning to 2018 and what business need to do to evolve to meet the very demanding uh, world that we live in today. And I'll be talking to Fifth Step CEO, Darren Ray, about that uh, subject. Um, Darren, um, what do CEOs, CIOs, C-suite business leaders need to be thinking about this time? Well, they definitely need to be getting their um, their business change agenda for 2018 in in shape. Um, and as part of our thinking about that for our for our clients, I was interested to read um, a recent KPMG um, survey, which has uh, a heap of interesting information and statistics about. Uh, about um, change management and how organisations are addressing it. Mm. So one of the first ones that I, um, one of the first statistics that I think was interesting was that only 25% of uh, PMOs, so uh, project management offices, are, at f- are effective at supporting change. Now that's a really interesting statistic, and some organisations might look at that and say, well, in which case, uh, you know, a PMO is not for us. Um, it's not the the kind of a way that we want to work. But to my mind, a good PMO department is able to you know, magnify the capabilities and uh, of other resources within the, the, the change function. Um, and being effective at that is really the minimum requirement. But what some organisations do is they go too far to the other end of the spectrum where PMOs can really do one of two things. They can help with the administrative function, or they can help with the governance function, or they can ha- or they can work with, on both. And where some organisations make the mistake is they make them too governance orientated. So that makes them uh, less effective at helping the change um, team and the project managers actually deliver change. That's the subject you've explored in your uh, new book recently, isn't it? The CIO Navigator. It is, Chris, yeah. I mean, it's, it's an important aspect of how change and change teams work and how CIOs need to be aware of that, or, or whoever's responsible for the change team within within your organisation. But it's an interesting subject, and I, I do go into it in a little bit more detail within uh, the CIO Navigator. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how, how do you, um, you know, go up, start you know, rebalancing your, your PMO? Well, there's a number of aspects you need to look at. You need to look at what your needs are for a PMO and, um, and how they can best magnify your resources. Um, typically, you'll look at what your governance structure is, how strict your change uh, structure is, um, as opposed to what your administrative needs are. You know, do you have big administrative needs? Do you really need help um, in that area? Or is it a matter that you uh, don't need so much help in the administrative function? It is more of a, uh, a function of getting the governance right and making sure that delivery of benefits is there too. Okay. Are there are there a number of are there sort of common mistakes that people make when they when they set up the PMO or when they try to adjust it or change it? Common mistakes, uh, yeah. Well, I think they are. I mean, I think the key one is um, the not understanding the balance um, between those uh, two things. Um, you know, it's very much about knowing where on that spectrum you sit. So apparently, only fifty six percent of organisations use a PMO. Now, what, why? Why is that? I think that's one of um, that's perhaps a reaction to uh, the effectiveness of perhaps had a PMO in the past and have looked at it differently over time and decided to uh, to move away with, away from it. But I think it's um, doing their change team a disservice because what ends up happening is well 
one of a couple of things, but the most important one is that these functions still have to be performed. And so it will be pushing the governance requirements um, onto the project managers, um, who are not the right people to manage their own governance or to, or to look at the governance of projects and programs holistically, because obviously they're focused in their one particular area. But it also push, pushes um, administrative functions onto, uh, onto the PMO, um, from the uh, PMO onto the PMs as well, if you don't have a full PMO team. So, yeah, I mean, so the outcome of that statistic is that the change function within those organisations without a PMO is apparently likely to be slower, costlier, and apparently you know, more, even more prone to project gridlock. So that's, you... that, that's definitely my view, Chris, yeah. I mean, the, um, the reasons for that is that um, you're not magnifying your resources, so you're like, more likely to run out of capability within your change team. Um, you're also more likely to lose um, uh, project managers who feel that they're spending too much time on the administrative side of running projects as opposed to actually getting the job done. Um, and the project grid gridlock comes from the fact that you're going to have different projects relying on other projects, um, relying on yet other projects, and actually unable to move just because you need to magnify uh, the, those resources or hire more people. But, you know, if you can hire more people, then that's great. You can get yourself out of the gridlock in the same way as if you build more roads. And for a time, you'll, you'll build your way out of uh, traffic gridlock. Another, another interesting statistic is here it mentions that only 21% only of projects are consistently delivering on benefits. And actually, when you think about it, when you ally that to the statistics used before, about something like 56% of organisations use a PMO, I mean, rough calculation for me suggests that that means it may be only 10% of PMOs are actually delivering, you know, on their benefits. Oh, of the projects, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, that's right, Chris. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, I think that the ability for a PMO to, to leverage and magnify um, is very, very important. But to be honest, I was quite surprised at how low KPMG put this number um, at because... Um, you know, 21% is a very low number, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, just over one in five, um, right, uh, of projects are actually delivering the benefits. So um, some of the reasons why projects typically don't deliver their benefits, um, you know, the, and we typically call that benefit realisation, um, but some of those reasons are poorly documented or poorly constructed business case, so no one really knows what's being delivered or why it's being delivered, and therefore when you look at it after the event, of what's been delivered and has it met the business case, um, it's difficult to tell yeah. um, accurately. Um, poor project governance, so things getting out of control, a project runs and runs and runs and you know um, bursts its, um, its uh, time uh, constraint and bursts its uh, budget and things yeah. like that, and um, you know then it makes it more difficult for it to pay back against the business case. Um, poorly implemented change, um, you know, changes that don't meet the requirements, uh, changes that take too long um, as well, um, and projects delivering uh, the change too late. So where there's a, a business opportunity to be taken, uh, taken advantage of, uh, if the change is delivered too late to take advantage of that, then the business won't be able to do so, and again, we'll find it very difficult to get benefit realisation out of that. I guess, I mean, in, in the times that we're living in at the moment, um, you know, People are probably delaying making decisions and investing in certain areas of a business, time of austerity for individuals and to a certain degree for, for businesses. So I guess one of the things that people will be worried about is that change can be, you know, there's a feeling that change may be expensive. Mm. Is that something that you've come across? I mean, 
If so, how, no, how, how can businesses, well, such as Fifth Step, deliver more cost-effective like routes to, to deliver better change? Yeah, well, uh, the most important aspect around around that is that change is expensive. So make sure your business case is well defined, and make sure that the change that you're undertaking is actually delivering the benefits you expect. Twenty-one percent is an appalling, uh, you know, appalling statistic. For um, well, another appalling statistic. Um, and I, I missed the stato, missed the change management stato today. <laughs> it's only uh, only thirty-one percent of projects deliver on time, apparently. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think sometimes that the project managers, um, when they're given the um, given the slack, can sometimes regard uh, project deadlines as you know lines in the sand, as opposed to you know hard deadlines. Um, so you should make sure that uh, the business needs are well defined, the timescales are well defined, and that um, the project managers being held to account, and the project teams are being held to account to actually deliver the change when it's expected. Um, so make sure that the change team are strong enough um, to deliver the change, are resilient enough. You know, do they actually have enough people within the team to deliver the change? Don't be overly optimistic. Um, you know, in uh, in the formation of the the, the project team, that oh, these two people are going to be able to deliver what we thought was going to need to be delivered by ten people. That may be the case, but you know, don't be overly optimistic. Uh, you know, don't set the project team up for failure. Um, and they should also be resourceful enough to keep the project on schedule. So making sure that they're looking at things, not from the perspective of, oh, this has gone wrong, we need to pause the project, but thinking about it from the perspective of, this has gone wrong, what can I do to bring it on track? What else can I do? What opportunities does this change bring me to actually be able to um, you know, bring the project back on to track? To a certain degree, that, that takes, you need to have self-confidence as a, as a PMO or as a project manager but to recognise sometimes or to admit when you've got it wrong. And mm-hmm. you might possibly, whether it's to make a U-turn or a, a side turn or you know take a slightly different course. Now, I just... I mentioned that partially because I was reading an article about Uber, um, big, you know, the big uh, news about Uber at the moment, and mm-hmm. uh, the article was saying that it's, it's important that the, the, the senior leadership team need to admit that mistakes have been made uh, and to start afresh and to you know, ch- change tap and implement, you know, a strategic review of the business. But so, you know, um, is, it, is there a degree? Is there a, is, that, is that a cultural thing within a business that allows you to do that? Oh, it's definitely a cultural thing. I mean, far too many organisations have a have a um, a blame culture, um, you know, associated with them. So, oh, well, you know, you are the project manager; it's your fault. It's not delivered. When actual fact, that's not terribly helpful. You know, there may be an individual who is actually responsible for a project not delivering, but more often than not, in my experience, it's actually a combination of um, uh, factors and vectors where a project goes uh, off track. Certainly, when Fifth Step's asked to come in and look at projects and bring them back on track, we're looking at the factors, you know, where is it off track, how far is it off track, Um, is it off track for good reason, actually, you know, is the direction that the project needs to head in a slightly different direction to um, what has been originally planned? That may be the case, and in which case we need to feed that back to you know the project governance um, yeah, yeah. Uh, team and actually either bring it back on track or to say, look, you need to reconsider the business case because this project needs to go in a different direction. Now, the last uh, uh, st- statistic, I promise that I'm going to throw at you today, is that only, only 29% of projects delivered uh, to budget, which again is a... Uh, very worryingly uh, low figure, isn't it? It is, uh, the, and the, again, there are many reasons why this can happen. You know, um, p- 
poor planning, for example, means that the most effective and efficient route to the project objective is not taken. So organisations meander around um, trying to find the, the right direction and perhaps they have a go down a number of cul-de-sacs, project cul-de-sacs, if you like. Uh, poor project management um, you know, can lead to issues that have not been identified or managed soon enough. So you know, when things start to go wrong or when issues are identified, uh, they're perhaps not captured uh, properly or acted upon properly. Uh, poorly defined requirements in the outset. This is a very common one, uh, to be fair. Um, this leads to false assumptions being made um, in many cases and uh, very often the need to update the requirements in the course of the project. So you thought that everything was going to be going uh, was going to be uh, you know red on the site and then it has to be green instead and um, you know that's one of the uh, you know one of the changes that uh, you know taking place midway through um, it's a lot bigger change than if that decision was made uh, from is it, well you know we live in a you know increasingly complex world and it's a bit of a truism these days people say there's a lot don't know the fact is that those, those are the actual facts organizations they're dealing with things such as machine learning and other technological change um, so you know what, what how are you getting involved in these sort of areas you know, the continual challenge with cyber security and its impact on change for mm. example so what's the fifth step um, approach there well uh, Chris we get involved as you know with um, you know many clients helping them uh, identify how their change teams can be um, reorganised. We're helping uh, create uh, PMOs, project management offices. We run and manage uh, change, uh, you know, organisational change and project change, large programmes of change, um, you know, internationally for our clients um, out of our change leadership tower. Um, so uh, from that perspective, Fifth Step is getting very closely involved with organisations change. Um, you GDPR mean, is one area. I mean, I think you were telling me the other day that you some quite interesting projects. Well, yeah, I mean, in GDPR, Chris, you know, we talk about a hell of a lot on the on the podcast, and you know, I um, blog about and talk about on LinkedIn as well. It's a big, um, you know, it's a big subject, and you know, the likes of Brexit as well for those who are based in the UK or perhaps based in other countries who are um, looking to move UK operations um, to their locale. Those kind of organisations, those kind of change projects are big and complex and you know difficult to run. And organisations typically need um, help in, in running those and they need the kind of help that, ha that comes with experience and an understanding of what change management and change leadership is, not just um, you know, uh, three weeks of uh, project management training. Sure. And dare I say they need to have a strategic approach. Change management. I think that's probably the key word. I definitely think you can you can dare to say that, Chris. <laughs> uh, I think uh, a strategic approach is always better than a um, a reactive approach. Um, you know, if you can if you can plan the the direction of, of travel for your for your change team, if you can um, help them understand uh, the way that things are going to work and the size of their change agenda, and actually have that planned out, and that really brings us full circle to where we began. Um, you know, in terms of what should organisations do? Well, make sure they've got a good plan for their change agenda. Make sure that's well represented within their budgets. Make sure the change team understands uh, what's on the change agenda, even if some of the projects are you know, not due to start until this time next year. Having a good understanding of what's coming means that certain decisions may be made slightly different. Uh, you know, differently, or uh, paths might be taken slightly differently yeah. to allow or incorporate um, that future change. 
That sounds to me like they've come full circle to the end of this podcast, I, I would say. So uh, if you need help with uh, changing your organisation's ability to change, uh, then obviously please please speak with Darren and all the rest of the team at FIFSTA. Uh, you can find out more about us and our current thinking at www.fifstep.com or by following us on Twitter, of course, uh, at FIFSTEP. And we've got various other uh, services, like LinkedIn, that we, we, we talk about. We do. Uh, and, um, and get in touch with Darren directly. Yep. So on that note, I'd say thanks very much, Darren. Thanks, Chris. Thanks.